Right. Well, finishing up a little series that Emily got started on understanding our human limitations, which maybe the Sunday after Thanksgiving is a great time for a series like that. Um, maybe you were home for Thanksgiving, biting your tongue to keep the peace, or you got into your, you know, got into it with your outspoken uncle, and your nerves are still uh, recovering. Um, you know, why are these situations so stressful for us? Um, it's because they touch on our identity in different ways. And, and some aspects of our identity are, are forged, whether we like it or not, in the context of conflict. You know, religion, sexuality, politics, to name a few of those aspects of our identity that seem to get forged in the context of conflict, familial or social or whatever. And, you know, each of us is a mixture of identity ingredients, where we're from, occupation, maybe school, gender, race, age, ethnicity, all that stuff, religion. Um, some identities we choose, uh, some are given, some are imposed, and, and they shift over time. Our identity shifts over time. I, you know, I, I grew up as the youngest of my family. I, I love being the baby in the family. I love being the youngest. And then I got married at 18, so I was like the youngest in my peer group, especially since the uh, first uh, kindergarten roundup I went to was Angel School. And it was all these faculty, like old uh, Ann Arborites having kids, you know, past 60 or whatever. And there I am, this like really young guy. And I like that. I like being the youngest, youngest person around. And like, as time goes on, like you can't sustain being the youngest for a long, long period of time. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm with people that are 30, 50, 40 years older, and I think we're peers. And then they mention, you know, their parents, and their parents are obviously still teenagers. And I'm like, I'm not the youngest anymore. Sharonda has started calling me Gramps. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm in, I'm in an identity shift phase of my life. It's, it's disorienting. Uh, a lot of our identity comes from striving, um, you know, say to meet family expectations. Uh, I live uh, in, in my new neighborhood. I'm near the sororities and the fraternities on campus here. And uh, rush week, you know, it's like these... these these poor young women that are out in the cold and the short skirts and high heels and um, we're walking down Hill Street and they're literally in a mob running, running down Hill Street. And I'm like, what's going on? And my wife, it's rush week. They're rushing from one, you know, sorority to the next, like eagerly trying to make it to the best possible sorority. And it's all tied up with identity. I just want to get on a soapbox and say, you're all fine as you are. You're good. You don't, you know, you don't need to rush. Don't join something where they make you run in high heels to get there. <laughs> Our identity in relation to God as we understand God, can awful, os, often um, involve a lot of striving also. And that's, that's hard because our relationship with God can be like an underlying foundational, um, stabilizing influence in our lives. But so often our understanding of God involves an identity that we have to strive for, you know, to be spiritual and whatever the tradition is or to live up to the ideals of the tradition. And, you know, especially the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we need a rest from all that striving, that identity striving. Uh, in relation to God in particular, 
we need an identity to relax into rather than strive for. And so I want to propose one from the Hebrew Bible, the ancient writings of Israel, and that's our identity as sheep. In relation to God, we are sheep. Um, Aidan's reading of Psalm 100 hit it on the head. Know this, the Lord himself is God. He himself has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So there are 400 references to sheep in the Bible, more than any other non-human animal. Abraham, Isaac, Rebecca, Moses, David, the daughters of Jethro, uh, Amos, one of the prophets, were all shepherds by trade. Um, a major branch of the biblical literature is called pastoral, meaning it has to do with sheep and shepherds. You know, Gen there's a lot of pastoral texts in Genesis and Exodus and Judges. The Psalms is filled with pastoral texts. The Gospels include a lot of pastoral texts. There's a whole branch of the letters of the New Testament called the pastoral epistles. It's a big deal in Hebrew thought. And I like the low expectations involved in the identity of sheep. Um, you know, we don't aspire to be sheep. Uh, if, you, if you're, you know, in a, in a new group of people and there's an icebreaker and after they, you know, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? And then the next question is, if you were a, a different kind of animal, which would you be? Very few of us say sheep. Um, but what if God... What if this is really saying something accurate about how God regards us? That when God thinks on us, when he looks at us, when he interacts with us, the, the thing that shapes his emotional, if you will, response to us is that he regards us as sheep. It, it would surely take some pressure off if we could come to grips with that. Um, sheep are famously, they're prone to wander. That's what they do. Um, famously, they're not the brightest animals in the animal kingdom. Um, I did read that they're smarter than their reputation, however, to their credit. Uh, they're utterly dependent on the care of human beings. You know, not wild sheep, but there aren't many wild sheep around. Domesticated sheep, totally dependent on human beings. Without human care, they don't, uh, they don't last. Uh, sheep can't even find their way to the sheepfold uh, when it's in sight. Um, sheep are known to die of panic when there's a predator nearby. They just get so frightened, they just keel over dead. My favorite sheep passage is from the prophet Ezekiel. You know, in, in a lot of the church traditions, they have a lectionary, which means a, a reading from the Old Testament, a reading from the New Testament, one of the Psalms that's uh, preset for every Sunday. And three of the readings in the lectionary readings today are about sheep. And I'm going to focus on the one in the Old Testament from the prophet Ezekiel. It's, it's my favorite. Ezekiel 34, I want to set the stage before I read it. Um, Ezekiel was a priest prophet. He was a priest. He was like a higher class individual in Israel. And he was sent into exile with his fellow Jews after the Babylonians had destroyed the temple and had ravaged the city of Jerusalem. And during this period, uh, the civil and the religious authorities were, were famously uh, corrupt. They were narcissistic, self-serving. They were using their power to benefit the powerful 
at the expense of the vulnerable. They were entirely lacking in empathy. Ding, ding, ding. Is this ringing any, any bells? We're, we're in one of those like low periods in terms of the behavior of, of our leaders. Like in every sector, in every realm, it's like, who's next? You know, I, I can't remember a time in my life when I was more disappointed in people who exercise influence and power in our society. So you have Ezekiel in Ezekiel 34. He's channeling God's concern uh, in the face of leaders looking out for themselves. So it's like a triangle. There's Ezekiel trying to tap into God's heart. There's the people of Israel. And then the leaders who are just bad actors. Those three characters underlie this uh, text. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the watercourses, and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. They shall lie down in good grazing land. They shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the stray and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. So the, the picture behind the picture, the pastoral uh, picture here is that sheep would stay in a sheep pen or the sheep fold at night guarded by the shepherd against prey animals. That would be a contained space. And then in the morning, the shepherds would lead the sheep out to grazing lands, to the hilly country of Israel. And on a good day, the sheep would all hang together. They tend to like to hang together in a flock. They'd be munching on grasses. Then they would lie down in the afternoon, hot afternoon for a long, hours-long siesta. And then they'd get up and uh, graze on their way back to the sheepfold uh, before nightfall and there the shepherds would tend to the sheep uh, bind up their wounds they would have gotten scrapes and cuts out in the grazing land they would look for which ones were sick and apply various remedies that it, they had developed they would water the sheep and tuck them in for the night on a good day that is but on a bad day the sheep would be out in pasture land and they'd be scattered either by storms or by attack animals. And by instinct, the sheep would always go to higher elevations. So if you can imagine, they're grazing in relative lowlands surrounded by various mountains and hills. And as soon as the threat kind of runs through the flock, they would each head up, you know, to one hill or another. And in that process, they'd all be scattered. They'd, they'd be going into more dangerous terrain that they weren't prepared for. The, they would, the, the shepherd would lose sight 
of the sheep. It would be chaotic. There would be a lot of sheep missing. The, the remaining uh, flock would be very small. Um, so first, before any wounds can be tended, the shepherd is running. And this is what's happening in uh, chapter 34. First, the shepherd is looking for the sheep and, and um, leaving the ones that are huddled together and going up one craggy hill after the other and finding one sheep or finding two together or three together. And sometimes the sheep would be so frightened the shepherd would have to put them on their shoulder and sheep are roughly the same weight as, as adult humans are to bring them back to the flock. It would be like a long, bad day. Thus says the Lord God, I'm just repeating the first section again so it can sink in. This is the searching part. I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Remember what's happened to Israel. They're leaving their land. They've, they've been through a brutal ordeal. They're just in, and they're all in bad shape. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their shattered, scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. I don't know if you saw um, Hacksaw Ridge. I think it was uh, like six months ago or so. Didn't, I don't think it got a lot of play. I saw it. It was a pretty good movie. It was about, it was a true story of a guy named uh, Desmond Doss. He was a Seventh-day Adventist, so he was a conscientious objector during World War II, which is really not nearly as cool as it was during Vietnam to be a conscientious objector during World War II. And he became a medic in the army. And I think it was the Battle of Okinawa. His unit was assigned to take Hacksaw Ridge, and there was this, it was up, it was a plateau, uh, and so they had to like scale this, this cliff, sheer cliff with rope ladders up to the plateau and then move forward to engage the enemy, and, and they were overrun. It, it didn't work. They were overrun, so they all had to like uh, retreat and, and go down that rope ladder and the, the last soldier there was the, was the medic and, and the injured soldiers who were scattered around the landscape. It's a true story. This guy, Desmond Doss, he, he would, you know, go grab one injured soldier, bring him back to the edge of the cliff and the ladder and like take take him down and then he'd go up and, and he'd be like, he, he was devout. He would be like, Lord, let me get one more. Let me get me one more. And then he would go get another one. And it turns out he rescued 75 injured people in this process. This is like a picture of, of God uh, wanting to rescue lost and scattered people. Um, and, you know, the, the thing you have to get used to with the Hebrew Bible is that you, you don't meet a God of abstraction there. I mean, you know, in classical Christian doctrine, God is omniscient and all-knowing and all-wise and benevolent. And it's all these like abstract traits that God has. And they're absolute traits. But it's actually hard to find that God when you open the page of the Bible. God is like a character in the Bible. And God is just has feelings and emotions and, and has concerns in the Bible and is presented in very concrete terms to us. And we're concrete you know, creatures. And so this is like a God that we can, we can relate to. This is the shepherd in this case, rescuing these lost and scattered sheep. 
And then the gathering phase is, uh, is followed. So I'll just read this section again, let it sink in. This is after the rescue operation, and the gathering is followed by the tending. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. They shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. So, you know, we have to keep in mind that this is the, the people of Israel are just totally miserable at this stage. And this, like they, it's like they haven't felt very cared for by the leaders around them. And this is a prophetic vision of God. This is like, this is what the prophet sees coming. The prophet has, has tapped into a sense of the concern of God and is trying to give that voice. And, and he's saying, this, this is what God wants. It's not like this is happening all around. This is what God wants. And this is what God is yearning for because the God of the Hebrew Bible was a desiring, yearning God, dissatisfied with the way things were and longing to make them better, but having to do that in cooperation with human beings. How, do you, how about the last line of this section, section that we're reading? I will feed them with justice. So it's like that phrase, it just snaps us. Everything else is metaphorical. Sheep, shepherds, grazing lands, you know. But boom, I will feed them with justice. Um, there's, there's like nothing sentimental about that or like metaphorical really about that. Um, it's concrete. Um, like, you know, today, for women, that's justice is an extra 30 cents on the dollar, right? That's the, that's the gender gap, you know, corrected for all other factors. You know, there's still, just by virtue of, of gender, there's a, a 30 cent on the dollar gap. Um, justice is not having to choose between putting up with harassment uh, and keeping your job or advancing. Like, that's justice. It's concrete. Um, you know, for African Americans, I think, you know, it's an economic playing field that accounts for the fact that years of slavery and then years of Jim, Jim Crow and discrimination stole wealth from all your ancestors, which means for an African American, um, you, something's been stolen from you because, like, remember, wealth doesn't, like, we don't take the wealth with us when we die. We leave it behind and it goes to our heirs, and then it goes down generations, and we have access to wealth based on whether there's inheritance or not. That's, like, justice means dealing with that. Um, for our gay and trans members, it's, it, it's, well, in the state of Michigan, it's the end of laws that, on the books, that are enforced, that allow people to discriminate you because of your sexuality or gender identity. Uh, it's justice is families and communities that understand you and accept you rather than like mourn you or reject you. I will feed them with justice. So that's concrete. This is like, this is the aim of the God that Ezekiel is, is channeling here in this world that is just rife with injustice. 
Um, and he's seeing a God who wants to reshuffle the deck of the world. So those who lack justice get justice. So this is important data for us. Uh, it's like, okay, this is this, is this God. So to be connected to this God means, well, you know, we want to be part of the reshuffling. Let's welcome the reshuffling of the deck. Let's nudge, nudge it along um, if that's what this God is ultimately after. Jesus, of course, in the New Testament took up the prophetic mantle of the divine shepherd. And it's really important for us uh, Christians, you know, so easy to, well, the God of the Old Testament is this hard-nosed God. And, you know, once you get to the New Testament, it's all happy, clappy, and sweet. And he fits on the Hallmark cards, and he's really nice God. And, well, number one, that means you haven't read the New Testament, actually. <laughs> book of revelations in particular uh, number two you haven't read the old testament and you don't see that what when jesus what jesus is doing is he's tapping into a pre-existing tradition and never is that more true than when he refers to himself as the shepherd that they, he didn't just come up with that out of thin air because he's the nice god for christians you know he's tapping into his tradition, his Jewish tradition, where God was already conceived of as a shepherd and we are conceived of as sheep. So Jesus takes up this divine shepherd mantle and one of the important things he said to his disciples was, the one who does not gather with me scatters. Like I'm gathering people and the one who doesn't gather with me is actually scattered. Background of that, Jesus saying that, is absolutely Ezekiel 34. Uh, God's concern for the scattered sheep. Um, only this time, uh, Jesus is extending it and he's saying, okay, God is looking for help from us because now we know his concern, uh, which is meant to affect our concern. Like, desires when we're connected to him we mirror his desires um, and we know that we human beings are this is this is what God's dealing with he's dealing with humans who are sheep-like that, that we're prone to wander we're buffeted by powerful forces that are way bigger than we are we're buffeted by circumstances we didn't generate ourselves and we're playing sometimes with stacked decks we have this sheep-like quality to our existence. So as we embrace that, we start taking it into account. You know, we cut ourselves a little slack. You know, just being hard on yourself is not, it's not part of the picture of being a sheep. You know, sheep are not like goal-setting <laughs> creatures who are never satisfied. They've got simple needs and if we start thinking of ourselves like, oh, there, I have a real sheep-like quality to me. And then we start thinking of other people around us like, and see them through that same lens. Like, other people are, are sheep. Like, like, you know, we're, we're relatively hairless primates, you know. We're, 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 like, we're not, we're not just super people. Um, 
that affects the way we think about other people. It affects the way we interpret each other's behaviors. It's like, oh yeah, we're sheep. We, we wander. We're, we're not the sharpest pencils in the stack. Um, uh, we don't have a lot of power ourselves. We have actually a lot of vulnerabilities. And we only do well when we're in connection with some power that's higher than our own. I was talking with someone who has been uh, working a 12-step uh, program for many years. I think like, I don't know, it seemed like it was 15 years or so. And he, he just said to me, um, you know, if you know anyone who is struggling with the same thing I struggle with, you can give them my name. Um, I'd, I'd be glad to reach out to them. I'd be glad to, to help them. That, that's someone who has accepted, um, has like relaxed into their own identity as a sheep in relation to God. That's actually one of the best things about um, going through a 12-step program is it just forces you to come to grips with your human limitations. And the great wisdom of the 12 steps is, is just everything is about reinforcing your limits as a human being, taking into account those limits and then like looking for help where you, where you need it. Um, that's someone who gets the one who does not gather with me scatters. That if you see this about yourself, then we want to be relating to other human beings as, as sheep too. And not with all of our high demanding, um, you know, standards. I, I notice it myself, you know, I, I give myself the benefit of the doubt all the time. And then I don't extend that same benefit of the doubt. I, I notice it as a pedestrian in Ann Arbor, you know. Like, as a pedestrian in Ann Arbor, I'm just, I'm always offended by the, by the aggressive driving when you're crossing the crosswalks. And people who are like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm walking here and you're trying to edge up on, you're trying to edge up on me and sneak ahead of me. You can't wait, you're in a car. You just have to go like this to move. I'm walking. I'm perambulated. I'm using some energy here. I'm, I'm, I'm an Ann Arbor pedestrian. I, I, you defer to me, you know. And then when I'm in the car, I'm like, why are these people walking? Let, let me through here. Let me through here. And I'm sneaking around. I'm like, what, what just happened? It's like two different me's, you know, the driving me and the pedestrian me, I, I just naturally cut myself slack and then I hold other people to like, well, you know, standards of decency and human behavior, you know. It's, a, it's, it's, it's funny if you let it, um, if you notice it. So, um, quiet reflection time. Uh, we're going to um, go to that text that was read for our reading. Aidan did a good job. Psalm uh, 100. I'm going to read it first in the King James. Um, then we'll use a modernized translation for the meditation and, and just um, and just to orient you at the end of the sermon, we usually take a few minutes and um, just take some time to absorb uh, what we've been thinking about. And you can do this by just relaxing, taking a couple of deep breaths. If it helps you to close your eyes, that's fine or not. And we'll just maintain some relative quiet, keeping in mind that we all make noises and that's no big deal. So here's the King James Version, the old-fashioned one. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he, and not we ourselves. We are his people 
and the sheep of his pasture. And if we were to like take out all the, all the gender stuff, which when it comes to God is really not relevant, it would be more like, know this, the Lord himself, if you prefer the Lord herself, the Lord themselves, is God. God has made us, and we are God's. We are God's people, and the sheep of God's pasture. So for our reflection time, we'll just take this line by line and let it soak in. I'll, I'll repeat the line, then I'll just make some comments to guide your thoughts. You can tune out or in, whatever. Know this. The Lord himself, the Lord herself, the Lord themselves is God. Consider the implication. If the Lord is God, then we are not. It's a lot of responsibility being God. It's a lot of pressure. None of that responsibility or pressure is on us. Anyone other than God that you're striving to please. Remember, they are not God either. You can live fine without pleasing them. The Lord is God. So if you tend to forget that as we all do, just focus on your breathing for maybe 30 seconds. With every out breath, let go of some of that pressure that you've taken on. continue know this the Lord is God God has made us and we are God's so we're not alone we are connected we're deeply connected to a power higher than our own power anything we ever do to make the world a better place or to reshuffle the deck of the world we can only do in partnership with God's higher power our identity is rooted somehow in God we may not know ourselves as well as God knows us but somebody knows us we are God's let that sink in for a moment continuing know this the Lord is God God has made us and we are God's we are God's people and the sheep of God's pasture I'll just paint a little word picture for you for you for this I was driving uh, the back roads of uh, Northern Ireland my son lived there for a year and 
went to visit him and uh, you know I'm in this little car I'm on the I'm driving on the wrong side of the road in my American thinking I'm I'm sitting in the wrong side of the car it's kind of stressful uh, you know you're hoping another car doesn't come by because you have to squeeze over the other side of the road and then we'd have to stop because a small flock of sheep would be in the road with a guy in walking boots and a long classic wool tweed jacket getting them across the road but he was annoyingly patient with these sheep and they were taking their time and you know after about the third encounter with this group of sheep crossing the road you realize now is the time to tap into your Zen self <laughs> and just accept it these are sheep and they're gonna be sheep like so try to identify with the sheep in that picture that's you all the people you know also have this sheep like quality what would it mean to accept that about yourself and about other people would you cut yourself a little more slack if you realize that that God regards us as sheep his expectations are accordingly adjusted sit with that for 30 seconds and we'll close Amen. Amen.